Hey, Faisal, you know what the problem is of having a difficult X? Nope. You get screwed, but you're not having sex. Too right you do. How painful is that? Yeah. Somebody pass the Vaseline. <laughs> do you ever wonder, why do I always seem to give so much more than I get? All I want is to be appreciated and loved. Is that asking too much? Why do all the jerks get the hot girls while I get stuck in the friend zone? When will it ever be my turn? If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Nice Guy Show. This is the podcast that asks the question, how do I break free from the nice guy syndrome so I never have to come in last again? Now here are your hosts, Faisal Coker and Chuck Chapman. What's up, guys? I'm Chuck Chapman. I'm here with my co-host, Faisal Coker. And today we're going to talk about what do you do if you have a difficult ex? I mean, probably one of the things that most nice guys who are married or who have exes, um, especially if they've got children, how, really, really struggle with is how do you have a relationship after the divorce, especially if she's difficult to get along with? So that's our topic for today. Faisal, What's your experience? So after my divorce, uh, I was annoyed. I was angry. I was hurt. I was devastated. And there was a part of me that felt so in pain. Uh, it was horrible time. Uh, one of my lowest points that I wanted to take revenge. I was like, how dare you? I was in this deep victim energy. It's like, how dare you? You destroy our family. You wreck our, you know, everything that we've built together. And I was really mad. I was really angry at this. And, um, and I remember, you know, I just, I just felt this vengeance and I just felt this feelings inside of me. And I know a lot of guys, you know, some of you guys can relate to this because I've had, you know, guys I've worked with who felt the same thing as well. But what happens is, uh, after time, you know, um, Emotions don't last. And this one, you know, passed away. I, I was still angry. There was still a lot of anger and resentment inside of me. But what I decided to do was, you know, to focus on the bigger picture. I really had to focus on the picture because I didn't, I wanted to be better rather than bitter. So I decided, you know, it was a decision of like, okay, this is going to be a really good gift for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and it didn't feel like it. But I thought, okay, how can I show up? This is my moment. And, and I remember my, the, the inner talk I had. Because I, I would, before, the, before that moment, I was more negative. I wasn't aware, self-aware. I was into psychology. But that moment was my awakening. You know, as I say, the universe has shaken you to awaken you. And that was my moment. And so I decided it's my opportunity. This is the time now to become a good man, better man, and also become a better dad. So that was my experience of it. And it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Uh, I could tell you that. So how about you, Chuck? Yeah. I know you've gone through a uh, breakup too as well. Yeah. Uh, what was yeah. that like? You know? Yeah, well, similarly. I mean, I, again, I think my, my divorce kind of blindsided me in a, in a way. And I also was really angry and upset. Went through those same feelings and emotions and same thing of like wanting to have revenge, wanting to want, wanting payback. You know, I was hurting and I wanted her to hurt in the same way that I was hurting. And so at the very beginning, I was probably the difficult ex 
know, um, I was just, I was hurt. Um, you know, would drag my feet on anything. Didn't feel like I wanted to give her any amount of room. I wanted her to hurt. And I had to go through a, a very similar process. Like you said, those emotions, they don't last forever. Um, as I went through my own process of recovery and started working more on myself, uh, you know, the relationship with my ex is great. I mean, uh, couldn't ask for a better ex, really. And and so, but it, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It took us, I don't know, could better part of a couple of years, I think, to kind of get to that place where, you know, we weren't, we weren't afraid of each other and we could kind of, you know, we learned to trust each other a little bit more and realize, you know, because we have a daughter with special needs that both what our, what we both really wanted was the best for her and um, to get her out of the middle of our pain and to try to yeah. protect her. And, and so that was, that was really kind of my experience with it too. And, and like I said, I have a, a really great relationship with her. But I also know a lot of guys who I also work with who do not have reasonable exes who are in relationships with their ex and it's, it's hostile. It's, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, no getting along. Um, and oftentimes, um, it's because there's kids in the middle of it. And I, I think that's the thing of, of like, you know, when you when you have a breakup and you're going through those difficult times, if you have children together, it kind of keeps you stuck in having to it work does. with each other. Yeah. And I yeah. Think if you're you're like married pain, for life then. Right? Yeah. yeah. You're like stuck, yeah. you're, you're, you're <laughs> you're stuck of, together. And, <laughs> you're, uh, you're no longer man and wife, but you're still mom and dad, you know, you have. To, yeah. And you still I'm like, wow, well, I have to still deal with that situation. So you have yeah. to, you know, it's isn't it important to think that if you, if you do have kids. You know, you probably can see that person for the rest of their life. So yeah, yeah, until the kids are older. Um, yeah. Well, so you even, mentioned about even then, I think. You know. Yeah, and you mentioned about you know like uh, working with guys who've had mm-hmm. horror stories. I mean, I've had uh, I've heard again. I've heard so many horror stories as well. I had a friend yeah. who was very close to me, and he went through hell, mm-hmm. uh, and he went through several you know several years of this. Uh, his it's really interesting because when I first saw them, I thought, man, they, they two are made for each other. Mm. I thought, wow. And I remember, you know, going to his uh, stag do and I, it was such good fun. I was so happy. I went to the wedding as well. And you know, he had a wedding here and he went, had a wedding in India as well. I thought, wow, these guys are really meant for each other. Mm. And they you know, bought a really nice house together. Then they had uh, kids together. I thought, wow, he's living the dream. You know, he had good wealth. Everything was amazing. Then uh, and then over time, we, we kind of lost contact. And then I kind of bumped into him. And I said, "Hey, you know, how are things?" And uh, I hadn't seen him for years. And he said, "Horrible." And he looked exhausted and tired. I, you know, didn't want to really say, "Hey, mate, what's wrong with you? You look like you've just been hit by a train." Mm-hmm. But uh, and he said, "You know," he said, "I've been through hell." And then he told me that. Uh, his wife at some point just they just clashed a lot they fought a lot and then he uh, she reported him to the police for sexually abusing their young kids mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. he was devastated because how because i love my kids because there is no way i would do anything like that and then by you know 
by default, you know, he's, you know, he's guilty or not guilty, but by default, he's, you know, taken in and questioned sure. by police and he, and then social, you know, social services, everything, the government, everything's involved. Yeah. And, and then it's, a, it's a case of him trying to prove his innocence because she just made a claim. And as soon as, uh, you know, she made a claim, that's it. He's, he's in the, uh, the guilt or, or in the bad place now. And what happened was it took years years for him to uh start to you know fight this and it was a fight and it cost a lot of money they lost their house he lost the house he lost his wealth he lost his savings and they're just back and forth back and forth trying to prove that eventually they went through uh you know i don't know why it took so long but they had some psychological reports on her and the kids just to make sure that you know yeah. what's really going on Luckily, they found that, you know, there was no uh, sexual abuse. Mm. And what they did find was she had some real severe psychological disorders, real some issues, right? And yeah. that was the turning point. That was like, <sighs> and, you know, he had been protesting his innocence for a long time. And it says, look, it finally came to light. And it, then it's, you know, there was all these evidence of text messages, the way she voiced and, and all the messages uh, and how she communicated with her friends and all those evidence mm. mounted up and it didn't make sense. And, and then the psychologist, uh, they, they were all involved, then found out, you know, yeah, she was fabricating a lot of it. Uh, there was, obviously there was some normal husband and wife challenges, but the, the serious accusations were all fabricated, all made up. Yeah, uh, wow. and, it, and it took years off him. You know, I saw him and he had more gray hair than I did, right? I don't know if that's possible, but but he looked old, tired and exhausted. And when I saw him, he says, look, I'm just so tired. He yeah. said, I just have any energy anymore. And he goes, I've just been keep fighting it. And he says, I didn't know if I was going to be around anymore because he just yeah. felt like I just wanted to take my life, but he just did it yeah. for the kids. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, those kind of, those are the kind of stories I, I hear too. I, uh, um, there's one guy who kind of comes to mind somebody I've worked with in the past, you know, he had a similar kind of ordeal, you know, he had actually full custody of his daughter and then was accused of some abuse and um, daughter taken away. He was exonerated and yet his ex still got full custody and because she had full custody, she was able to, um, make it so that he, he hasn't seen her in uh, a number of years. And, um, and it's a really difficult thing because he loves his daughter. He cherishes her and yet he's not allowed to see her. And, and so he's angry and upset and mm. wants to, wants to lash out. And unfortunately it's kind of almost like the last thing you should do. Um, you know, and, and yeah. I think that kind of segues into kind of like, let's talk about what can guys do if they find themselves in a situation where they have a really difficult ex. All right. Yeah, let's go through them. So we've got some five tips for you, five things that you can do, uh, you know, navigating and dealing with, you know, difficult exes. Uh, and the first one we've got on the list is keep your cool. You know, I... It's easy said than done, right? Okay. I know you, you're going to be angry at the system. You're going to be angry at the legal system. You're going to be, there's going to be a lot of anger uh, that's mm -hmm. going to come up for you. And all I know 
is the best decisions are not made when you are in emotional mm. high, good or bad, right? Yeah. So one thing is keep your masculine frame, keep your call, right? And I, I, I just, what I do is I picture some of my idols, you know, I, I really admire when they say cool is to say, okay, what would someone like James Bond, you know, when he's in, you know, he's, he's my childhood hero. And, uh, you know, he, he faces all the, the danger and everything, and he's got a gun pointed at him, and he just keeps cool. Uh, you know, a new one is uh, Peaky Blinders. If you've seen Peaky Blinders, Tommy Shelby, uh-huh. uh, he's so stoic, uses a few words, very stoic body language. And it's, and it's one of the things on, you know, on the internet as well. He's just like so um, admired for his stoicism as well. So this mm-hmm. is where, especially for nice guys, because I'm pretty emotional. I flip, uh, you know, it just takes a spark and I'm like, like this as well. I'm pretty mm-hmm. hot headed. So one of the lessons I have to keep remembering is to keep my cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be really hard because so hard. anger is a reaction to being hurt. And when you're hurt, you know, when you feel like there's this injustice and you feel like, um, you know, things aren't fair, you're not being treated fair, you're being accused unjustly, those kind of things, those are all going to provoke that pain and you're going to react and respond with that fight you know i mean nothing nothing provokes my anger i think more than being unjustly accused of something yeah yeah and so when you've got children involved when you've got finances involved all those kind of things that's the one thing that's really really difficult to do is to keep your nervous system in check and to maintain that frame Mm. you know that that part of you that you can be, you know, thunder inside, but on the outside, just you can't you can't show um, can't really show any emotion. You have to just keep your cool. Yeah, yeah. So so keep it cool on the negotiating table, but you know it's okay to feel any emotion. Right. You know, you know, That's we we, we will guys. feel. Yeah, but it. Yeah, but there's a time and a place. You know, I don't always get it right. You know, I just put my hand up and say, yeah. you know, I've I've been very emotional at the table, very emotional <laughs> with my partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been very emotional for that. So I I know this again. It's a practice. You know, I don't. You know, I don't get this 100 percent time right. You know, I flip. Yeah. So, but it's okay to feel emotions. What what the mature thing to do or what the guiding thing to do. That's why having uh, a men's group or support mm-hmm. around you is they help you to channel it. Uh, so then you can be more constructive because what's happening is you're, you're spending a lot of time in your emotional brain, your amygdala brain mm-hmm. and your prefrontal cortex, your rational thinking brain isn't it's offline. Yeah. And that's where the cool, calm and, you know, rational, con- you know, decisions yeah. are made. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, so it, it, it's practicing keeping your nervous system in check. And I think one of the, uh, another way to really do that, I think are with the, the masculine embodiment practices, the breathing, the um, even yoga, those kind of things can help you um, rewire your nervous system so that you're not acting. You, you've got a channel for that anger. And yeah. um, so that, you know, it, 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 rather than just boiling underneath, there's a place for it to go. Um, yeah, and yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, what one of the things I did uh, did a lot, especially when I was. 
going through the early stages of my divorce, I walked a lot. Mm. I just took myself out, uh, looked far away because a lot of uh, guys, when you're thinking, you look at the floor. So don't yeah. look at the floor because it just makes you thinking worse. So what mm. I did was just look far away. I listened to a lot of motivational stuff and I just mm-hmm. kept walking and walking and walking. I spent hours you know, a day mm. just walking because it says that if you walk over two hours uh, of walking, helps your brain to then calm down. So I, mm. I remember some, some research on that. So, so that's oh, number two. Wow. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, number, number one. Yeah, number yeah. two is... So number one. So what's number two? Okay, what does Stop. that mean? Yeah. Um, it's not all about you, man. <laughs> you know, um, you, we, we, we've got to learn to focus on the bigger picture, you know, um, rather than being needy and making it all about you and being a victim and, um, you know, ruminating about how unfair this is. You have to look at the bigger picture. You know, this is a marathon, not a sprint, especially if you've got kids involved. You know, I think that's the thing that happens is, you know, when you go through a breakup, you're no longer husband and wife, but you're still mom and dad, you Mm. know, and so true. And you have to stop making it all about you and make it about your kids or make it about keeping your nervous system in check Um, when it's all about you you're being a narcissist and one of the things i always say is you know when you're upset when you're suffering is when you're arguing with reality you know she shouldn't be this way it shouldn't be that way the kids shouldn't act this way they should be doing this and whenever i'm doing that and i'm having that cognitive distortion of the shoulds i am suffering you know, and the reality is, is that sometimes, yeah, you know, she's, she's angry and hurt. So she should be acting that way. And, um, you know, you should be the bigger man, you know, uh, so, so I think that stopping making it all about you because when we're yeah. in pain, we do, we want to make it all about us. Um, of course, of course. That's what narcissism is, isn't it? You know, like emotions. You're so self-absorbed and it's all about me. Right. You know, how I right. feel. What's my feelings about it? Right. You know, and I, you know, I've, I've been there. When when Go on. I've noticed that when I am focused on what my partner is doing or what my ex-partner is doing that they shouldn't be doing or what they should be doing, that's when yes. I am upset. When I am able to get out of my ego and more into a place of, of service, what can I do to serve the people around me? What can I do to make um, peace, you know, in this situation that I'm coming from a place of love rather than a place of hurt and anger? Yeah, yeah. And that's when we start to uh, weaponize kids as well because we're so emotionally, yeah. uh, you know, um, entangled in our emotions that we can't see the purposeful thing, the thing that we need to do uh, that serves the bigger picture rather than just serving our own needs. Because what we're trying to do effectively is trying to get rid of our pain by yeah. utilizing whatever is around our kids, our people, you know, I, you know, I put my hands up as well. There, there are moments when I did fall into this as well. There were moments where I thought, oh, you know, I'm really angry. I want to get some revenge and, mm-hmm. you know, I will, I will do this or I'll be, you know, difficult or I'll, you know, mm-hmm. put some obstacles in the way. And then I thought, well, I'm just putting obstacles in the way for 
the bigger picture. And I like what you just said about when we have difficult, difficult time with reality, you know, it should be this mm-hmm. way, you know, the law should be this way and, and the system yeah. should be this way. And it's, it's such a futile kind of like, uh, energy, spending your energy on such things that you can't change. So focus on the things that you can change. Uh, and, you know, it's, again, I have to say it's easy said than done. This is where support really comes in, you know, so, which goes on to number three. Um, yeah. Be under- number yeah. Three? Be understanding. So be understanding and get the help uh, because you'll be too emotional and deep in it. Right. Mm. And that's why, because it's, sometimes it's very hard to get over yourself and to understand mm. and, and you know, see their picture as well <clears throat> and what they went through. Because you know, when guys go through a divorce, it's like, oh, this has happened to me. And, or when she goes through a divorce, like, men are narcissists and they're this mm-hmm. and that. We're so absorbed in ourselves that, you know, we forget to see, see what was it like on their side. You know, I put my hands up. This is a skill I really had to learn. I was very much, you know, seeing things logically and not empathetically. So there was moments where I had to really stop and develop this skill and say, okay, you know what? What would that person be experienced? What would they see? How would it be mm-hmm. for them and again it's a practice as well and get support because i was lucky to have you know uh, i seeked support i seeked help and i know most nice guys they are afraid to ask they just try to do everything themselves and you know i was lucky i had good family around me good friends around me i had a really amazing sister who grounds you know she helped me to ground myself she helped me to see different sides and you know she, you know she was very fair on both of us as well, mm-hmm. and that was a real, real, uh, I'd say, you know, a pivotal, not pivotal, mm-hmm. but a real important uh, aspect of my healing and mm-hmm. growth as well. So having someone strong, someone right on your side, is so important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So let's look at number four. So- number four is setting boundaries. Having non-negotiated things that you won't negotiate on um, and being willing to walk away. Uh, One of the things that Robert Glover says about boundaries, and I memorize this because it's so important, your boundaries are only as good as your willingness and your ability to remove yourself from the situation. Mm -hmm. You have to have these two things. You have to have a willingness and you have to have the ability to walk away in the situation. So the first thing is you have to be willing to do it. Um, and, and, and sometimes, you know, we'll make, make threats or whatever like that. We have no intention of following through on, you know, that's, uh, that's not having the willingness to be able to set that intention. Um, and then the ability, you know, like if you're, you know, you're in a car with somebody and they're, you know, arguing with you, you can't get out of the car. You don't have the ability in that moment to get out of the car, but you have to have the ability. You have to have a place where you can remove yourself from. And so if there are. That's why we need things, ejector seats. We need ejector <laughs> yeah. seats, right? Yeah. Right. I had enough of you. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Kitten yeah. and Knight Rider, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, in my book, uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy, the 30-Day Recovery Journal, shameless plug, um, rules 16, 17, and 18 are my favorite rules, you know, which are, uh, never let anybody treat you badly. No one ever. Right. Um, uh, uh, 
I'm not going to remember, remember off the top of my head. Um, don't wait around for things to change. You know, mm, like that things one. aren't necessarily going to change. And then don't be a victim. You know, don't play the victim. And learning to set boundaries, I think, is a really crucial part of being in a relationship with anybody. You know? Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Did you know? Say, some it's not okay. Yeah, and do you know what the interesting thing is? There are some. There are some people I speak to who say, "What's a boundary?" Never heard of that. Right. I remember even Dr. Glover talking about this. Is boundaries? I've never heard of that. Uh, so boundary is just like a, a line of a uh, set of lines or set of rules that you have that say, "Hey, I draw a line here. This is the rule. This is how to conduct ourselves within this, yeah. and it's non-negotiable." So, for example, I might have a boundary saying, uh, "Like you know." Um, I have like small boundaries around the house. So one of my boundaries is, you know, no phone after 10 PM. And that's for mm -hmm. myself, you know, and for everybody mm -hmm. else in the house. Uh, that's like a small boundary. Uh, you know, don't use bad words or swear, you know, I do mm -hmm. swear, but uh, you know, but yeah. there are some boundaries that you set some rules up and say, Hey, these are, you know, these are the lines that you don't cross. So it's just yeah. drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is line. Don't cross this. If you cross it, there's consequences for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, my wife and I have a number of boundaries that we use within the times when things get heated. Um, and these are non-negotiables. We've talked about these things outside of, you know, in the heat of the moment, you know. Yeah. So no swearing, you know, no name calling, um, no shaming, right? Um, no yelling, okay? so no raising of the voice. And no throwing out the D word, the threat, you know, divorce like, or, you know, that kind of thing. So no threatening. And they're really helpful to have those established because yeah. we will. We'll get, you know, you kind of get to that point sometimes where you're just so flooded. And so the boundary of removing myself from the situation is actually helps us get back centered you know, to get out of that space, um, to let those chemicals process through your body, your prefrontal cortex to come back online so that you can go back and have a rational discussion. When you're flooded, you can't, right? And that's the problem is a lot of times when we're, especially when we're hurt, you get flooded really easily. Um, we can't think straight. We're saying things that we don't really mean. And then afterwards we regret those things. So, yeah, the, the boundary is also to help you maintain your own sense of cool and composure going back up to, to number one. Yeah. So yeah. you got to have non-negotiables. Yeah. Speaking of negotiation. Oh, go ahead. yeah. Speaking of negotiation, what's number five? So number five is yeah. learn to negotiate. Okay. Negotiation skills are vital. And, you know, I have to say this is something that I've not always been good at negotiating. And what I found was my, and I find this a lot in couples. And here's my experience as well. Women tend to articulate way better than me. They are able to communicate. They're better communicators than I am. So I, when I'm in the moment of negotiating or, or you know, like uh, having a conversation, negotiation, I feel sometimes really dumb, really stupid. I don't feel like incompetent because they're able to articulate and say things. And I remember we had uh, in my men's group, we had a, a, a lawyer come into, uh, 
a group and, and do a talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, she helps a lot of men navigate mm-hmm. the divorce in, in the court system. And she said something really interesting. She said, one of the things that men really need to work on is being able to articulate. Mm-hmm. And she said, a lot of women have the advantage. They're able to communicate their emotions. And because they're able to communicate, communicate their emotions and their pain, they're able to get more sympathy, more empathy, mm-hmm. and, and be able to win people on their side because they have that part. Whereas the guys are very logical and they're not be able to communicate and not be able to say everything. They're left sitting there going, well, you know, this is what I meant to say. This is what I meant to say. Yeah. 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 So one of the things I have to say to guys is really start learning one psychology, really get good at psychology, really get good at negotiating, really get good at yeah. uh, arguing your point, mm-hmm. making a point. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things I say to guys is learn to write, learn mm-hmm. to articulate, you know, just don't yeah. have in your head. But yeah. this skill and ability will give you a lot more confidence mm-hmm. and not being pushed around in relationships, not being like a doormat. And it'll give you strategies. I think that's the, the thing. Yeah. Too. You know, you, if you're, if you're untrained, if you don't have strategies and you walk into the battlefield, you know, you might get your ass handed to you. One of the, um, what guys I really like to follow is Chris Voss, who wrote a book called never split the difference. The book is excellent. He has a master class. Um, I watched his master class. I've read the book. Uh, studied his work. So Chris Voss is a former FBI hostage negotiator and, um, you know, his books and his uh, classes are all about negotiation. And he's got some really great, simple things that you can kind of keep in your back pocket. You know, one of the things that he, he talks about that I really love is it's called, um, you know, uh, empathetic mirroring. You know, so mm-hmm. all you're doing is you're saying back to the person, you know, so when, you know, she comes out, she says, you know, I want this, 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 and this. You just say, you want this, 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 and this, and then you hold your frame and then she'll go on and explain, yeah, I want it because of this, 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 and this. And you say, oh, sounds like you want it because of this, 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 and this, you know, and what happens is because as humans, one, the number of thing we want is to be heard and understood. When somebody's mirroring back to you in an empathetic way, you start to feel heard and understood, your defenses go down, and then you can really find a solution that works for both of you. And that's just one little thing that he talks about in yeah. his list of ways to negotiate. But I find that so helpful for myself to just mirror back, uh, especially when I'm starting to feel that sense of floodedness, when I'm starting to feel myself upset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I like that. And, I like that when you're feeling flooded and upset. Yeah. You see what I just did there? <laughs> I, I, I like that. Yeah. So when you're, you're feeling flooded and upset, yes, I'm feeling flooded yeah. and upset. Well, you know, um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how it works when, you know, I mean, I have guys I work with and say, oh, my ex is such a narcissist. She won't ever apologize. She never says sorry. She never wants to have a look at herself. She just wants to blame the outside world. He says, I try everything. It doesn't work as well. So I wonder if uh, Chris Voss has got a um, book on that one as well, dealing with you know women and men who don't listen. And also, he's got a very hot wife as well, if you've seen that. Yeah, she's <laughs> very young. Very- 
Damn, she's so. I mean, you look at them going, "How? Yeah, I was like, how on earth did his negotiation (laughs) skill must be off the roof?" So, uh, Uh, good work on that one. And he's got some money, and you know, (laughs) fame, and but yeah, yeah. right. FBI badge as well. I mean, that's that's all you need, guys. Just pull out a badge when you go out and approach women. (laughs) Yeah. So those are five tips. Yeah, keep it cool. Let's go. Don't be a narcissist. Be understanding. Set boundaries. Learn to negotiate. Brilliant. I love those. The simple Here's ones. Here's a bonus. What's that? The bonus? The bonus is don't yeah. do it alone. Yes. That is a really, really uh, poignant one as well. Don't do things alone. You know, um, actually, my son, uh, we were watching um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, series as well. Oh, and my uh-huh. son said, yeah, it's amazing. And my son said, he said something really uh you know, poignant as well. He said, dad, you know, there is no such thing as a self-made millionaire. I said, yes, there is. He said, nope. He said, if you think about it, all these successful people have a team. Mm. I was like, oh yeah, that's true. Actually, there is no such Mm. thing as a self-made, you know, success requires a team, people Mm -hmm. to support you. And I had an amazing team around me, which helped me to overcome, you know, some of the challenges. And if you don't have a team, that's, they're the kind of men and women who die alone, miserable, yeah. in pain, hating and regretting and being um, what I call hateful and vengeful of the world. Don't be one of those people. Yeah, and sure. So, guys, thank you so much for this. So, Chuck, next yeah. episode, right? I, li- I like this exciting next one because you came up with this really cool idea. So, what's the next yeah. one? Yeah, the next episode is called No More Mr. Nice Dad. How do you be a dad, but not a pushover, a doormat? How do you negotiate with your kids? What do you do in that situation? I mean, especially, you know, guys that are starting over maybe and being having to be single dads or not even single dads, you know, guys that are in a relationship. Being a dad, (laughs) you can relate to this, I'm sure. Being a dad is probably the one one of the most wonderful beautiful transformative experiences that i've ever had and it's also one of the most difficult painful it brings up all of my shit oh and, my and being a dad is such a vital important part of someone's development you know and um, so how do you, how do you not be a nice dad is what we're going to talk yeah. about. And we may even turn this into a little bit of a series. I think, you know, we were talking about that off, off, uh, camera here was that maybe this is a, a topic that we can do a few segments on. So tune in for that as we sort of percolate on that idea. Um, and if you're a dad and you're a nice guy, then there's a good chance you're a nice dad. Absolutely. I love this topic. Can't wait to uh, you know delve into this, learn from other dads as well, and share some of the nice guy traits and how that shows up because whew, I've got a lot to say on this and a lot to learn <laughs> on this as well. All right, gentlemen, yeah. thank you for being at the Nice Guy Show. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, share this as well, and spread the word because we're here to make a big difference to all the nice guys out there and to recover to become the integrated man that women love, admire, and respect. And so do your fellow men. 
Gentlemen, take care and see you on the next one. You've been listening to The Nice Guy Show, the podcast that helps nice guys move past their insecurities and fears into the fullness of their masculine strength and confidence. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and check out the website niceguyshow.com for more information on how to connect with Chuck and Faisal. Until next time, keep living your best life. Thank you.